0: I got a brand new sweetie, better than the no one before. Oh, she got everything and a little bit more. Hello, and welcome to this week's mini episode of Additional History Headlines You Probably Missed. I'm your host, Tiffany Clark, and today I've got a mini episode for you about a crazy moment in recent history. If you listen to Monday's episode, you'll know that our famous date was the Los Angeles riots, and that took place in the 90s as well. I decided to stick with that theme. So for this mini episode, I'm going to tell you about another shocking moment in California in the 1990s. Many of you listening will remember this incident just like you remember the riots. Before I tell you what today's subject is about, I'm going to tell you that this event came just one month after the bombing of the federal building in Oklahoma City. The nation was still reeling from that, and most of the newspapers on today's day were reporting that Timothy McVeigh admitted to being behind the terrorist attack. But in many newspapers, there was something else being reported, right next to the articles about McVeigh. Today's headline comes from the North County Times out of Oceanside, California. The date is May 18th, 1995, and the headline says, Police Slay Man Who Hijacked Guard Tank. Friends, do you remember this incident? Are the details a bit fuzzy? Well, I'm here to tell you all about it. A lot of information was printed in the newspapers in 1995, but a lot of what I'm going to talk about comes from a San Diego Tribune article that was written for the 20th anniversary of the incident in 2015. It was interesting to read their take on the who and the why and the what after a bunch of time had passed. Anyway, this is the story of a man named Sean Timothy Nelson. Sean was born in Birdseye, Utah in 1959. Birdseye is a tiny little unincorporated area up Spanish Fort Canyon, and I can tell you from firsthand knowledge that the area is prone to flooding and there's not a lot there. At some point in his early years, Sean's family moved to the Claremont neighborhood in San Diego, California. That's where Sean really grew up. He was just one of the other kids in the neighborhood. After he graduated from high school in the 1970s, Sean decided to join the United States Army, and he soon found himself stationed at Fort Knox in Kentucky. After his training was over, Sean was assigned to a tank battalion and shipped off to West Germany. He spent the next two years of his life in the Army. And I'm not sure exactly what went wrong, but it was reported that he had some disciplinary problems while he was serving. They must not have been too big of a deal, because in 1980 he was honorably discharged. So, he went back to the United States and was ready to get on with his life. Sean married a woman named Susie Hellman, and he started to work as a plumber while Susie worked as a legal secretary. They were able to buy a home together, and everything seemed to be going perfect in their lives. They were happy, and life was good. But all good things must come to an end. Sean's behavior started to change, and it didn't help that these things came about the same time that his parents died. His mother passed first in 1988, and then his father in 1992. Sean started drinking more and more and more. But it wasn't just alcohol that he was abusing. He started using methamphetamine and got himself hooked on them. The combination was not good. Susie put up with Sean's habits as long as she could. But in 1990, she couldn't take it any longer and filed for divorce. Their happy marriage was over after just six years together. The same year that Sean's marriage ended, he got in a motorcycle accident. And he ended up with really bad injuries to his back and his neck. According to the San Diego Tribune article, quote, while being treated at Sharp Memorial Hospital, Nelson tried to walk out. He later filed a malpractice suit. That is all that's said about the accident and his injuries, but oftentimes people have permanent damage after accidents like that, and living with constant pain can take a big toll on their mental health. I'm guessing that was. Probably what happened to Sean. Then, one of the biggest blows to him came a few years later in 1995. His work van, with all of his tools and everything that he needed for his job, was stolen. He didn't have the money to replace anything, and he didn't have the equipment he needed to work. He was stuck. He began to spiral even more. Without money coming in, Sean's utilities were turned off in his home. He had a girlfriend, but she left him while his life was falling apart. And the reasons that Susie divorced him were still there. Sean was still getting drunk all the time, and it wasn't uncommon to find him high on meth. It didn't take very long for the bank to notify him that they were foreclosing on his house. What happened next was pretty crazy, at least to his friends and neighbors. With nothing else to live for, Sean Nelson decided to dig a hole in his backyard. The shaft went straight down for 17 feet, and he told everyone that he had struck gold, whatever that was supposed to mean. They said that all they could see was dirt. By May of 1995, Sean decided he'd had enough, and he told a friend that he was thinking about committing suicide. He told another friend that, quote, Oklahoma was good stuff, and he was referring to the bombing that had happened in Oklahoma City one month before. The friend didn't know what to make of that statement. Remember, this was the 1990s and mental health wasn't talked about nearly as much as it is today, and it wasn't always easy to get help or to know how to give help. Then, on may seventeenth, between 630 and 645 PM, the day before the article of the day was published, the then thirty five year old Sean decided he'd had enough and he was gonna go out in style he took his Chevy van with a personalized license plate that said can fix, can being spelled with a K, for a drive. He wasn't wearing a shirt, and a neighbor that saw him leave his home said that he looked disheveled. Then he drove to the nearby National Guard Armory and drove right through a gate that had been left open. People would later criticize the armory for their poor security measures, especially coming on the hills of the Oklahoma bombing. It was also pointed out that Even if the gate hadn't have been left wide open that day, there were places on the fence where the barbed wire was damaged, and Sean Nelson could have just climbed his way into the armory. Either way, lessons were learned that day. Do you remember what I said Sean did while he was in the army? He was in a tank battalion. He knew how to operate a tank. Since not many people know how to do something like that, and since not many people would dare steal a government tank... Once again, the armory was a bit lax on their practices, and with no resistance whatsoever, Sean got out of his car and picked out one of the M60 tanks that he thought he would like to take for a joyride, climbed into it, but it wouldn't start. He tried another one, but it wouldn't start either. Finally, on the third try, he fiddled with whatever he needed to, pushed the button, yes, according to one source, it was a push-button start, and the tank started right up. About this time, someone finally spotted Sean, but since he'd already gotten in and started it up, there wasn't much the soldier could do to stop him. He quickly ran to call the police. Meanwhile, Sean drove that tank right out of the gate and out onto the city streets. And that began a rampage that would be viewed millions and millions of times on TV, and all over the world, and more recently, on places like YouTube. The police department, and the sheriff's office, and the highway patrol came out in droves to try to stop the rampage. But how do you stop a vehicle that weighs 60 tons and is meant to be indestructible? Over the next 23 minutes, Sean drove around in a two-mile radius. He drove over cars, squishing vehicle after vehicle, He hit fire hydrants, which caused water to shoot up everywhere. He ran into RVs, making them crack up like they were made of paper. He hit power lines and knocked out power for thousands of people who lived in the area. He ran over a bus bench, and he attempted to hit the pursuing police cars. And then he even drove his tank onto the interstate. It was only speculation but some people believed he might have been heading for the Sharp Memorial Hospital, which was nearby. Do you remember earlier when I said he got in a motorcycle accident and then ended up suing the hospital? Well, he filed one lawsuit in 1990, fairly soon after the accident, because he got in a fight with a security guard in the emergency room. Then he filed another lawsuit, a malpractice lawsuit, against the hospital in 1992. Both of those lawsuits were eventually combined and dismissed. But a lot of people wondered if Sean was going to try to get revenge on the hospital. There was very little the cops could do during Sean's rampage. Since they couldn't physically stop him, they had to try to guess what he was going to do next and try to get people out of the way. And they were on hand to help if and when injuries came from the destruction. Now remember, this was the 90s and it was California. They were able to quickly get a helicopter up into the air so that they had eyes in the sky watching, recording, and televising the entire rampage. After Sean entered the freeway, he tried to drive over a concrete barrier to get to the other side of the freeway, near where the hospital was. Fortunately for everyone anywhere near there that day, one of the treads on the tank got caught up on the barrier and started spinning. He couldn't get it to go anywhere. The responding law enforcement officers knew that this was their chance, and putting their own lives at risk, they scrambled onto the tank and broke open the hatch. They had no idea if Sean had a gun and if they would open it to find him shooting at them. I'm sure it was a very tense moment. But the officer said that Sean just looked up at them and then turned right back to the controls. One of the responding officers had some military experience, and I think it was with the National Guard. He said it seemed like Sean was trying to do some sort of a spin maneuver that's used to free tanks when they get stuck. The officers knew that if he got unstuck, he could injure or kill many people because of the dozens of cars going by on the freeway at that very moment. Since Sean wouldn't listen to their commands to stop, one of the officers fired down into the hole of the tank, hitting him in the neck. The rampage was over. Most of the media stations, when airing the clips from that day on the news, chose to cut out after that moment so that people didn't see the shooting or the moment when a bloody Sean was pulled from the tank and put onto a stretcher. One station decided to air full footage, but warned their viewers multiple times beforehand that it was very graphic. Now, I don't know if this is completely accurate, but one of the sources I read said that Sean's brother, Scott Nelson, watched the footage from that TV, and that's how he found out it was his brother behind the destruction. He recognized his brother when he saw him pulled out of the tank. And to be fair, everywhere that I saw quotes from Scott Nelson, he said he didn't blame the officers at all, and they did what was necessary to stop a very bad situation. Anyway, Sean Nelson was taken to the hospital, but he did not survive his wounds, and he passed away. There was one thing that worked to prevent greater tragedy on that May day back in 1995. For one thing, Sean didn't have any weapons loaded in the tank. The tanks at the National Guard Armory are never stored with loaded weapons, and the weapons were kept in a separate locked facility for training exercises. I can't even imagine the destruction he would have caused if he had had access to heavy artillery. When all was said and done, and all of the destroyed cars and ruined property was checked, somehow, nobody was seriously hurt. A mother and daughter who had their van smashed were slightly injured, but nobody besides Sean lost their life during that horrible rampage. It was definitely a miracle. A San Diego psychiatrist that was interviewed in the San Diego Tribune article I mentioned at the beginning of this story blamed the rampage almost solely on Sean's drug use. Dr. Mark Kalish said, Amphetamines makes people nuts and aggressive and violent. You could call 100 guys who deal in this field and 99 would tell you this guy was on amphetamines. Dr. Kalish went on to say that meth users are prone to heart attacks, strokes, and delusions. He also said that some become convinced that innocent people are actually evil and they must die, or that the meth user needs to commit suicide. Dr. Kailash said, give me a heroin user anytime over amphetamines. Sean's story is very sad, and like I said a little while ago, I'm glad that mental health is starting to be talked about and discussed, and I hope tragedies like this one can be prevented in the future. I'm going to post a link where you can watch the video of Sean's rampage in the additional history headlines you probably miss Facebook group, just in case you want to watch and remember that day. As a rule, I don't share stories on here that are more recent than December 1999. I had to have a cutoff somewhere to keep this podcast historical, and that's what I chose when I started all of this. So, while I won't give you all the details or tell the story here, I do recommend watching a documentary called Tread. You can get it on a lot of different streaming platforms, and it tells the story of Marvin Heemeyer, He was the guy that turned a bulldozer into an almost impenetrable armored vehicle and went on a rampage with it in Granby, Colorado. That was back in 2004. There are a lot of similarities between Shawn Nelson's rampage and Marvin Heemeyer's rampage. Nobody was killed in the second rampage either, but the destruction was shocking. Anyway, Thanks once again for listening to my ramblings and reminiscings about all the random things that interest me. I sincerely hope that you find them interesting too. Join me again in a few days from now on Monday and I'll have a brand new full-size episode for you about a very famous event that made big headlines. Spoiler alert, it doesn't involve riots or rampaging or tanks. Talk to you later.